It's the Holden Commodore that could have been if GM sold Holden with Opel and Vauxhall to PSA in 2020 rather than axing it, it would be a Stellantis brand today. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary and joining me today to look at the 2023 Holden Commodore that does exist in another universe. Uh, key contributor, Steve Otley. Hello. And our fearless leader, Editor Mal Flynn. Good afternoon all. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and unearth the comment of the week, not to mention being on standby to respond to feedback coming in on YouTube uh, because we are live streaming. YouTubers, jump into the comments and get involved as we go. Um, look, also quick note on housekeeping. Next week's show, again, live stream will be Friday. It's July 8th, but 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. So two hours later, but let's get into it for now. Holden Commodore in another universe. What if Stellantis had saved it? So we all know that in 2017, Commodore local production stopped. In 2020, Holden stopped. That is, General Motors decided to, to axe the brand. But what if GM had decided to sell it with Opel and Vauxhall to PSA? Then when FCA and PSA merged, Holden would have become a Stellantis brand. Now, Stellantis has 14 car brands. It's now the world's fourth largest car company. It's an interesting prospect, don't you think, that, that um, now there are those 14 brands and several of them have models where you could potentially um, twin them with what might have been a Holden Commodore. Definitely, definitely. Could have been 15 brands. But um, I think what we all need to sort of accept here is that this is all presuming that, you know, uh, or hinging on, you know, if 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 Australia were actually left-hand drive, this might this might have been a possibility. Because well, that's all the go in, um, you know, in our well, year. well, I think if Holden was left-hand drive, that maybe might have been less of an issue in the first place. Even, that's exactly. You know, like, well, that's I what mean, I'm just saying. Sure. You know, fundamentally, that's well, that's the reason why Holden ended because we represented a right-hand drive market. And yeah. uh, right-hand drive accounts for a very small proportion yeah. of the world's uh, automotive I suppose was that a, was that but, a Vauxhall factor? But yeah, I, get, I was going to say, I think, I mean, in this, uh, yeah, Holden, the multiverse of madness uh, theory we're putting out here, I think, yeah, if, if, if Vauxhall is obviously, you know, a right-hand drive market, you know, brand, um, you know, potentially helps them having another market where they can sell a few more few more uh, cars you know commodore slash insignia so yeah who knows i mean it, it, it's it is a it is a you know fantastic uh you know avenue yep. to go down yep now sorry mel you were going to say uh, something i think i was going to say exactly what you're about to say i was just going to say blue sky there's sort of three different directions this could have taken um back to you james no 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 <laughs> not at all I was, I was just going to kick it off by saying you know probably the most compatible um, and one that helped kick off the um, the idea in the first place, thank you, Justin Hilliard, was Dodge and the Charger. You've got a rear-wheel drive. It's a four-door sedan. There's a V6 option and, of course, multiple V8 options. It's conventional. I suppose it's it's not necessarily recognising the fact that four-door sedans aren't exactly flavour the of the month um, in this market. But if you're thinking about traditional Commodore buyers and you know, maybe HS, uh, HSV continues on in, in our alternate universe as well. Um, what about that as a potential twin for a Holden Commodore? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's always one of those cars that you look at and go, wow, I think that would have worked here. In some ways, that probably would have worked better than, 
you know, the Chrysler 300 that we had, you know, yep. which was which was kind of a, you know, stayed design. The, the charge has always been a more, you know, aggressive, youthful kind of, you know, model that I think would have appealed to those, that sort of customer. Yes. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that's a logical conclusion to, to go down, I mean, to, to get to, because it's a, you know, yeah, they're, they're very, they are very, very similar in concept. Yeah. yeah, and it could have, you know, a value add could have been the two-door Challenger as well, uh, which, you know, fundamentally the same mechanicals underneath. Yeah. Uh, but the problem with those is that, you know, a lot of the problem that faced that uh, the 300 faced is that it, it was an old design and, you know, kind yeah. of at best it was at a six, with 6.4 litre V8. But, you know, design that dated back to 2005 when it became a, a Chrysler, you know, Dodge product. But yeah, it yeah. itself was based on, you know, an old E-class combined with an old S-class that dated yeah. back to 1998. <laughs> right. So they're hardly back, fresh actually. cars. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing kind of new on the horizon to replace them either. But do, do you know, though, in it's that... 300 is another one that's on my list. It's a it's an unlikely alternate universe uh, Commodore twin. However, mm. it's kind of had a stay of execution. It's going to run through 2023 at least. Um, there's it's not as if they're turning the production line off um, any minute. So it's it's there. It's still well, around. Mm, not yeah. in Australia though. No. Which does kind of speak to the fact that these uh, large rear-wheel drive sedans are not exactly uh, popular. <laughs> you know, if they could just kind of sort of stretch them out as long as they can. Well, just, look, here's you know, one. Here's, amortized. Here's a left. Here's a left field one. Then, what about Citroen? Okay, C5X. We're about to see that car here. Yes, it's front-wheel drive. Yes, it's small engines, but there's a plug-in hybrid. But more the wagon and SUV in one style of vehicle. You know, that's that's where part of me was thinking if Commodore had headed down that road, it would have had uh, more potential in this market and others maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was sort of the, you know, I think, you know, conversations I've had with people over the years, you know, I think the missed opportunity for Holden at the end there was that they didn't really push the, it was a cross tourer. Is that they ended up calling the high yeah. wagon? Yeah, but like it had, just, it had no more ride height. It just had extra. Yeah, but but I mean, but how much? How many, SUV, how many SUVs these days are more at. style yeah. over substance? Yes. You know, yeah. there is an argument. Yeah. I mean, look at look at the Subaru Outback is not a not a large SUV in the conventional sense, and yet is if you look at the sales figures, one of the best selling large SUVs. You know, people have embraced yeah. that. Yeah, far more than they've embraced a conventional three-box sedan design. Yeah, the Outback's got, was it 25 years of yeah. heritage behind it though now? Yeah, but, you mm. know, Commodore's Commodore. You know, yep. that's what they could have, you know, you can try and merge those two concepts together. Mm. There's, there's potentially, you know, look, I mean, it's all theoretical, but. Anything's possible in our Yeah, world. I mean, it maybe would just been a better bet, a slightly slightly higher percentage of, of helping. A higher percentage of helping. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, let's, let's not honest. forget. Let's not forget. Holden dabbled in that territory with the Adventure. Pardon the yeah. pun. Territory Adventure. there, but with yeah. Adventure in what was it, two thousand and four ish? Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Um, which was very cleverly done, and you know, very because there was a lot of experimentation at that point, wasn't there? There was crewmen, oh, and, and all yeah. of that emerged around the, the same time. And the the yeah, I mean, chassis. Yeah. I, 
I think I, I think I wrote Naro. a piece recently just to self-promote like I always do. I think I wrote a story about that. The adventure you mean one was, published on carsguide.com.au? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, check, check that out. Um, I think I noticed it. That, uh, yeah, the adventure was probably the right car at the wrong time. Like yeah. it was probably ahead of its time in many respects, you know, like yeah. if the... Yeah, maybe if uh, they kept, had it going VEVF, it might have been, might have stood a better chance, but been more of a competitor to the Outback. Yeah, yeah. All right, look, another one that I've got uh, written down that we know went nowhere was Opel, of course, Stellantis brand. They've still got the insignia. It's been updated, all of that. It didn't work in this context. So I think we can scratch that even in our alternate universe. But what about, sorry, Steve, you're going to say something? Well, no, I'm happy to hear your next theory because I've, otherwise I've got, a, I've got a left field one for you. No worries. Whatever you've got to per- do. Peugeot, similar. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same platform. Uh, well, that's I'm what the ZB. The, the, the 508, um, similar to Citroen C5X. Um, oh, sorry, I'm breaking up a little bit. Am I? No. You guys there? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry about that. I think it's just okay. now. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Peugeot 508. Again, yep. it's front-wheel drive, but it's a very, very handsome kind of sedan-style car. I just wonder yeah. whether that has some legs. Look, certainly, I mean, I, I personally am a big Peugeot fan. I think they design some really beautiful cars that are quite nice to drive. They're very underrated, I think, in this country overall. And obviously, they're, they're a bit, you know, they're more expensive than probably what they should be. You know, they're, they're very much a Volkswagen rival in, in Europe, but yep. uh, not so much here. Um, but yeah, I think that's got merit. I think there's an argument to be made that um, you know the Peugeot could help. You know, it could it could have been an, could have been an option. Yeah, good on you, Mel. Well, look, it's interesting. You so say I think that. I just that was a fantastic point that Mel completely missed. So it's, it's you know, interesting you say that, Steve, because our old look, mate, I'm happy uh, to reiterate it. No doubt, we've got exactly the same thoughts. Uh, Bertie, Bertie has said, uh, David Bert, our old mate Bertie. Geez, I just saw that new Peugeot-based Astra. Please come back to Australia. So does that ring any bells with you guys? I, I, ha- I have, I think, seen the latest Astra, and it is pretty sleek. Oh, yeah. yeah they, definitely. They, make some, they make some stylish cars. I mean, this is the thing. I think Opel makes stylish cars. I think yeah. uh, Peugeot particularly makes stylish cars. What? But, you know, like, I think... Are they problem- in any way as stylish as the Peugeots they're based on, though? Like, those yeah, Peugeots I mean, are insane to look at. I love the Peugeot. That's, why I was, that's the point I was actually making while you were uh, stalled. Um, they're, they're, they're sort of underrated in this country. And I think that's sort of, ultimately, I think that was kind of the problem with Opel, was it not? That it didn't really jump out compared to any other, you know, European uh, boutique brand like Peugeot or Citroen or sure. those kind of brands. Sure. Yeah. The, um, the 508 is a natural competitor for the ZB in its native markets, like, yeah. you know, replacing the... VS Commodore with the EL Falcon. Yes, yes, yeah, um, fair call, fair call. All right, I've got I've got one more for you before we head down uh, a different road, courtesy of your good self, Steve. But um, Alfa Romeo, Julia, rear wheel drive. Yeah, there's a there's a four cylinder uh, uh, powertrain, drivetrain, and that cracking V6. I wonder if Alfa Romeo would welcome some kind of amortization of its investment in that car. Um, through having another badge and putting another body over the top of it. I mean, you know what I'm going to say as an Alfa Romeo fan, um, <laughs> slash tragic, slash owner. Um, look, yeah, so I certainly think there's merit in that. Um, 
But see, I'd like to throw a curveball at you. Al- Alfa Romeo, you know, they've already said Julia is is that platform is on, uh, the Giorgio platform that that's on is on, is on borrowed time because they're looking at electrifying Alfa Romeo. Yes. You know, Stellantis has this huge push towards electrification. What about an electric Commodore? Yeah, what about it? I suppose it's 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 an interesting prospect, isn't it? Sorry, Mel. That's that's another thing that five hundred eight could have offered. You know, there's two different levels of plug-in hybrid available overseas right now. Single mode. Did you cover that before? No, not really. No? Go for it. No. Right. But the problem is, so even the the dual motor one is a bit performance flavored, but it can only manage zero to one hundred and five point two seconds. I don't think that's fast enough, right, to wear a fast Commodore badge. Right. You know, the last of the Commodores were doing sub fives all day long. Yes. Uh, yes. With six litre V8. So if you're going to go more expensive, more tech, and, you know, lose the sound and that, you know, the V8, it'd yeah. want to be real fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking okay, of self promotion, I've got a terrific opinion piece up on the site at the moment about, uh, you know, can AMG survive in the electric age? Where yeah, you've got carsguide.com.au. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, it's, 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 that's, so, just, that's so tacky to self promote your own But if you've, you know, if you've hitched I'm your wagon just, to just that reinforcing star, that, yeah. that internal combustion star for so long, can you radically and rapidly um, convert your brand image and, and bring the people, the, the, the devotees that you've cultivated over, in this case, more than half a century, uh, can you get them loving electric versions of your, of your car so quickly? Yeah, I mean, mm. I, think, I think that sort of, I mean, I think the problem with Holden towards the end was that there wasn't a lot of devotees, were there? The people had drifted away from the brand over time and perhaps shaking it up, perhaps doing something radical like having an electric Commodore yep. might have been what they needed, you know? Like if you had think about it as a Tesla Model S rivaling yeah. large luxury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they that's where, the, that's where the, the Commodore skewed towards the end, right? It was very much a the higher spec performance orientated cars, the SSs and the SSDs true, true. that were the popular, they were the volume sellers towards the end. The one yeah. behind you there, the concept, the yeah. TT36 concept is in many ways an early kind of demonstration of what Model 3 became yeah. as a form factor, yeah. a different engine, et cetera, but like proportionally, it's yeah. a lot of Model 3 in that TT36. Yeah, That's a really good point. It's a really good point, Steve, in the sense that we, we write sedans off, but you think about Model 3. You know, it's a very, very uh, popular vehicle and it, yeah. it fits the template of, of a sedan as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, imagine, well, you could have an electric Tirana and an electric Commodore. There Oof. you go. Yeah. All right. That's now, an alternative universe to live in. Let's head down the alternate, alternate path. Steve, oh, wow. You, you were having some thoughts about so, another you know, way that Holden and Commodore may have gone. Not to make Holden people angry at me in the comments, but again, I wrote a, I wrote a piece a few weeks ago on um, carsguide.com.au. I believe the headline was, uh, what was the headline? It was, did General Motors make the right decision to axe Holden? Because, okay. and I really just looked at, uh, the current Chevrolet lineup. You know, I was recently in the US, uh, you know, was able to get, you know, up close view of, you know, the, cur- the current range that they have there, you know, from the little trailblazer, you know, that we had the trailblazer on the big, you know, Colorado-based SUV. They use it for their, effectively, it's an alternative to the tracks. It's a more stylish, yeah. more interesting gotcha. version of the tracks. Yeah. They've got the blazer that was that is a midsize SUV that was more interesting, arguably, to me than the Equinox. But you go through it, the Tahoe, the Suburban, they're, they're interesting cars, you know, like 
Um, we see mm. now we're getting the Colorado, the, the Silverado 1500 is becoming a much more popular thing. You know, they yes. have the Colorado, their version of the Colorado Ute there with, with things like the ZR2 version of that. Um, just overall, I think it's a very interesting lineup. And I think me personally, I know that was one of the things that Holden management liked to tout towards the end was that they were they were able to draw from all these different General Motors brands. And in the end, you had, you know, cars that were effectively Holden's, Opel's, GMC's, yes. Buick's, whatever, you know. Yes. It, it, but it was ultimately a hodgepodge of, of whatever they could get so, rather than a so cohesive the, lineup. The thought being retire Holden respectfully, yep. change to Chevrolet and bring in all of that product. Whereas where we've ended up is General Motors specialty vehicles, which is like a toe-in-the-water niche exercise as opposed to, well, make Chevrolet a mainstream brand and bring some of the things that it can offer to the market. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I just, yeah, I just think that lineup, if you had that, you know, it's, it's, it's SUV focused. Now, obviously the car that's missing there is the Commodore. There is no alternative to the Commodore in the current Chevrolet lineup, which kind of says something, you know, like Good it says, yeah. you know, like, and, yeah. and, you know, Arguably, the closest thing is probably the Camaro. You know, they still have the Camaro. It's, I think, you know, I think we all agree it's on borrowed time yeah. as is. So, yeah, you know, the Camaro and the Corvette, like we're saying, you know, the SSVs were that was the popular model towards the end. Those cars have really, you know, they're the cars that have replaced, I think, for a lot of people, the those high spec performance what, Commodore. What about for the people that really want one? What about a Cadillac? Is there a CT? I oh, yeah, CT. They've got CT5, which is, a, yep. I mean, you know, CT5V, which is a performance one. That is CT5V Blackwing, which looks amazing. amazing. It's the fastest, yeah. I think, the fastest production. And you can get a manual Cadillac. too. You can, you can get a manual. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Manual Cadillac in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but As opposed to, uh, yeah, 1822. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think, I just think, I, I think there was an argument to be made. I don't know if they thought of that in Detroit, if they, you know, uh, you know, had a look at it and said, should we or should we not? I mean, certainly I think the GMSV model works, right? They're selling, they're probably selling far fewer cars at a yep. much bigger margin, you know, like, yes. uh, and without the headaches and the hassles of having a large dealer network that, you know, yep. and you're trying to feed cars to, particularly now, you know, yes. particularly in this current era that we're living in with, with, limited supply and all the other challenges that every other car brand's coming they've, they've well general motors is probably suffering post-traumatic stress disorder you know they 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 wouldn't want to go in for another big swing they're just kind yeah. of taking it easy and and um you know healing for a while yeah and look let's be honest we're a very small market you yeah know, we sell a million cars a year they're selling a small percentage of a yeah. million car market when they're selling over a million they're probably selling a million a month in america you know yeah, so it's yeah. It's all just many, many, many brands competing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a a big deal. All right, that's fantastic. Good discussion. Um, Thank you. Can I just add one final thing? Go for it, Mel. Steve, I think your Chevrolet Chevrolet is nuts. Um, (laughs) And the (laughs) one further counterpoint to it, uh, and a silver (laughs) lining to the Peugeot idea, would be: imagine if we had a five hundred eight Holden badged five hundred eight that could potentially enter supercars instead of a Camaro next year. Oh, my goodness. I'd like to just see a Peugeot enter supercars. Wouldn't that be good? The classic. Oh, I mean, it's a lion. You wouldn't be wearing Peugeot badges. No, Peugeot You don't have to change the badge much. Just Just put a circle around it. It's the perfect replacement. Now that you think of it, Mal, I'd love to see Peugeot. Peugeot versus Ford. There's a rendering. That will get the fans We just did this. And supercars racing. We've just eradicated. 
Supercars racing in Persia, such a tight fit, you know, oh, from yeah, a brand yeah, point yeah. of view. Mm. Perfect. Oh, I personally, last oh. time I went there, I saw so many baguettes and you stripy know. shirts. <laughs> and there are certainly dabbled on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Let's leave it there. Thank you. And now we are going to move to cars in the garage. Mm. Great. Okay. So cars that we have actually been driving, not dreaming about, about in an alternate reality, the multiverse. Um, Mel, could I start with you, please? It's a vehicle you've, Certainly, been, James. you've been living with for some time. Not some time, but some time. Uh, I will be discussing today my, my current long-term test vehicle, which I've just had for a month. Uh, it is a Volvo XC90 B6R design, so lots of letters and numbers in that name, yep. characters in general. Yep. Uh, and I've had it for the first month with my family, three child seats fitted. So it's the second from the top of the range, top of the range being the recharge plug-in hybrid. Um, this one starts at just over 100,000 K, uh, but with options as tested, it's $117,000. So it doesn't take much to get you uh, yep. up, the, up the charts. Yep. Uh, but can I say, in our design trim, that design has aged really well. It's now yep. seven years old since we saw the the first of the uh, the second gen XC90s, and it looks wow. outstanding. And mine's got 22-inch wheels, which uh, look great. Um, more Thank on you, that later. You included an image. Uh, maybe we can, uh, Mr. I'll Sullivan. get to that. There, there's an image of, of that rim next to your little Corolla, which is fairly oh, strong. story, James. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, just for context for viewers, if you're seeing a shot on your screen right now of two wheels, one is 12 inches, one is 22 inches, and that just shows where we've got <laughs> right. come from between a 1973 Corolla and a 2022 Volvo XC90 R design. Anyway. Under the bonnet of this XC90 R design, the B6 is a two-litre petrol, uh, but the B6 is turbocharged and supercharged and a mild hybrid. Makes 220 kilowatts and 420 newton metres of torque. So yep. it's a four-cylinder engine that has lots of numbers. Um, mild hybrid and Volvo speak means it's got 48-volt electrics and an integrated yep. starter motor and alternator, yep. but not actually adding to the output of the petrol motor yeah um now the car carries a official uh, combined fuel consumption figure of 8.2 liters per 100 kilometers but i must say on average so far for me i've done 11.9 which Ooh, is some Neil, way off 11's 12 nearly yeah okay yeah not bad for a car of its size with a petrol engine but a long way from its official figure further than normal um so it's the difference between lab testing and reality um and probably the highlight of my first month isn't really a highlight, more of a low light. And the reason why I've got that 22-inch wheel next to a 12-inch wheel is that uh, last Saturday I woke up to find a flat tyre. Nice one. And if you've got 22-inch wheels, that's a bit of a headache. So you were trying to get um, the, the 12 off your Corolla to see if you could actually bolt fit. it onto your Volvo. <laughs> no. Actually, good, I'd love good, to see an uh, XC90 running on 12s. Though, James. 12. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just. I'm afraid I'm, the stud pattern's a bit, uh, a bit different. A bit out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just just out of Otherwise, curiosity. I, I just want to know with this B6 engine, how do they get the cylinders to in in the B format? That yeah, seems, that's right. That seems, that seems very. That B, seems very complicated. 
Yeah, yeah. The cylinders are curved. Very Scandinavian. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the it's, the are quite flexible. Yeah, typical unorthodox Scandinavian design, that one. Amazing. They've done it simply, subtly. Um, and safely. And it works somehow. Very good. Anyway. Very cool. Uh, yeah, had a flat tyre. So Saturday morning, flat 22-inch tyre. Thankfully, it had a space saver in the boot. Yeah. Uh, but I rang Volvo roadside, roadside. They couldn't help me. I rang the Volvo dealer. They couldn't help me till Monday. Thankfully, it had a space saver in the boot. Um, And, you know, space saver life. You're trundling around at 80 kilometres an hour, being very careful, doing your family stuff all weekend. Thankfully, I didn't have to travel anywhere. Anyway. Question uh, from a practical sense, the the dad question. So you've got three kids. Are they all in car seats still? Yes. And can you get all three across the middle road? Very easily, yeah, yeah. Okay. very yeah, easily. Very so easily. That's two harness st- boosters and one zero to four forward facing. Yeah, child and seat. it still has it still has that inbuilt child no. booster. They've got rid of that for the no. Non-tour. Yeah, okay. No, I get the feeling that might not work across uh, global markets anymore. Very right. clever thinking in the nineties. Yeah. Very clever, yeah, mm. and very keen to give it a go, but not fitted to this car, and I'm not sure it's fitted to any current Volvo. Mm. Okay, so what would your sum up line be so far, Mel? Uh, for a seven-year-old car, it looks outstanding. Yeah. Uh, for a seven-seat SUV, it's not particularly cheap, but you know, the, the Volvo buyer isn't looking for cheap. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and it works well. Good, good. performance. Very good. Stand by for more. I've got to say, attending the, the local launch of that car, I remember it was the, is they call it Tor's Hammer or Hammer of Tor or whatever the Ooh. the T-shaped the uh, light treatment. I remember looking at that for the first time on that XC9 and going, "That's going to look cool." For a long time, and sure enough, I think it has. Yeah. Still, looks still great. does. Yeah, and now it's across the entire range. Absolutely, and why yeah. not? Um, mm. Just before we move on to you, Steve, we did have just um, circling back to our um, multiverse Holden Commodore thing. Um, planes, trains, and dogs and cars. Regular uh, correspondent uh, says that yeah, US won't build right-hand drive cars, and that's right. That's why in our multiverse uh, mm. version of things, we are a left-hand drive market. So uh, just just to fix that one up. Now, Steve. Yes. Uh, back to you, back to our garage, and you have been driving something that is electric and interesting. Fill us in. Yes, so similar but different to Mal's big uh, family-friendly Volvo. I drove the BMW iX uh, M40 Sport. So obviously the iX is their new, yep. I guess, flagship uh, electric vehicle. Yep. Um, it's 141,900. Uh, it's got dual electric motors, 240 kilowatts of power, 300 and si- uh, 630 newton meters of torque, I should say. That's a, Which is plenty. It, it, it yep. hauls along for a big thing. Yep. It's got uh, 425 kilometers of range, uh, which is plenty. Um, uh, frankly, I, I didn't know what to make of this car. I guess I didn't really have any expectations going in. Um, what I wouldn't say I was enamored with the look of it on paper. Uh, yep. You know, certainly the photos you know it doesn't it does still like it's, it's it, does, it, it does have yeah. it does still have that enormous bmw grill despite the fact it doesn't need a grill except it's not a grill it's an innovation panel um because wow. it has all the sensors and cameras and stuff hidden behind it an innovation and, panel. and apparently it's self-healing but i sort of i i I didn't think to like that know, kick or scratch it. Oh, right. so because I, I think that's that I be... think that's what my father was thinking when he tried to fix the side gate with masonite. It wasn't <laughs> masonite; it was an innovation panel. 
uh, to keep the gate just kicking along. <laughs> yeah. But it's not an outdoor field? material, Dad, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, honestly, yeah, I wasn't quite sure, but, you know, I loved it. I was, I was, you know, I just took it back and I was quite quite sad to see it go. It was um, uh, one of the things I've been very critical with BMW and over the years is just how conservative they are with their interior design. They just, right. basically everything looks like they've sent it through the Xerox. You know, if it's a one, you get the one series design, oh, we need it for the three series, what's well, plus 10%, I need it for the five series, plus 10%. And they all just look same, same, which I understand probably it's good for customers. They feel a certain familiarity with it, but it just, it it was starting to look very dated. I think a lot of BMWs were starting to feel a bit dated and and, and stayed. This is completely different. It's a blank piece of paper. And they've done it before. They did it with the... With the i3 and they to me was one of the most fantastic interiors bmw's ever done and this is i guess a continuation of that it looks fantastic it's just it doesn't look it it simultaneously doesn't look like any bmw before it but still feels like a bmw very interesting Mm. you know that that uniformity of design for the interior of bmw i suppose Mm. there's one train of thought that says look if you've got the right answers and you know that that works why not apply it to other models but you're right it does become um fairly same same yeah. And I think the point is with this one, it's still unmistakably BMW. Yeah, it's still- You know you're in a BMW. It's still 100% so feels like you're driving a BMW. they get away with it. Yeah. Yes. And, you yeah. know, and it's a great use of space. It's got, it's got really, you know, it feels really, you know, spacious inside. It's got plenty of room in the back. Still yeah. got a decent sized boot. Um, yeah. And it, like I said, it's got, it's got 630 newton meters of torque. So it hauls even though it's big. I mean, I just, I just found it a really great cool. car to, to, to just commute around. I love electric cars in the sense of as much as I love petrol. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, you know, really love, you know, the classic performance car. I still like going to the service station because I like the smell, but it's, it's like, there is something about electric cars and how easy and relaxing and yeah. just quiet they are. They're quiet. Like you're the guy. You're the guy lurking around in the background, in the dark behind the Bowsers, just kind of getting the. You don't drive to the servo. You just go there. Put it this. Put it this way. If Chanel came out with Oda Unleaded, Oda ninety five. Yeah, I yeah. would. I would. Yeah, I would probably buy it because it's just you know a little, little Oda hundred octane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just add? I, I think. Um. I think Steve, your car is probably the, the very same car that uh, Tom White had in the big electric car comparison we published about six weeks ago where we had it against the Polestar 2, the Ionic 5, and the EV6. And all four of those cars exceeded their official range calculation and efficiency numbers. So yeah. unlike the Volvo that I've just talked about, where it was you know, nearly four litres behind its official figure, uh, therefore, you know, over-promising, under-delivering, yeah. uh, all four of these electric cars with, you know, against their WLTP figure, over-promised. So yeah, yeah, you go into it thinking, mm, will it do it? And it did better than it said on the sticker. I, I, which is great. Did charge? I just charged it off the old household outlet. You know, over. You know, I gave it twelve hours, and it gave it about, I think, around twenty percent of battery. So I mean, obviously, it's a household, regular household outlet. It's not designed for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I didn't need to. I drove it for an entire week. And yep. I only just then did I start to was I start I think I got think down about thirty percent like and I was thinking mm, okay maybe I should maybe I should think about uh, yep. charging but I you know I I mean the irony is I actually did take it to the shops my local shopping center that has EV charging plugged the whole thing you managed to find a spot between the Teslas the bloke sitting there charging their Teslas and reading a magazine um, 
I did actually forget to turn the charger on. Hey, <laughs> so, so it didn't work. But I mean, in theory, it was it's it's actually quite easy to live with. No, that's that's not your fault. That's a design fault with the charger. It should, you know, there should be some kind of a little. That's a hands up. That was operator error. Okay, I'll be, very I'll good. Be now, look, let's. The, 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 it's interesting you mentioned that grill. I can't help but think of a certain carrot munching bunny when I look at the front of the uh, those BMW electric cars. A couple of yeah, I, teeth there. But yeah, uh, our old mate, planes, trains, and dogs and cars has chipped in again and said, "Who'd ever think that we'd be asking? Please bring back Chris Bangle." <laughs> And I remember there were people, you know, still in the building to have him sacked um, when his his design started to hit the road. Well, this is the thing. They love being like completely out there with with exterior design. Yeah. But it's like, let's be super conservative inside. It's it's a very funny, very funny. uh, We better keep it. We better keep it moving. And I'm going to go with another Volvo. Um, So, this Where one I, I found really interesting. The XC40 Recharge Twin, pure electric, twin meaning twin motors, um, just under $80,000, 79,490, 300 kilowatts, 660 newton meters, so broadly similar to the iX, uh, Steve. All-wheel drive, of course, with a motor front and rear. Fast, 4.9, not to 100. I On the plus side, I reckon it's well-equipped for the money. You know, 80, 80 grand is a... A fair chunk of change, but this car is well equipped in terms of tech, safety, convenience features, all of those things. Um, also, uh, the interior is really cool. Talking about interiors, I think it's it's very sleek and and very Scandinavian uh, kind of minimalist, uh, cool, nice seats, great audio. I think it's Harman Kardon. Um, I found it confusing how to start and stop the car because the start button is actually in the seat. Once you're sitting in the car, yeah. all you got to do is select drive or reverse, and off you go. <laughs> Um, so I, I was I was wondering how to actually proceed in the car until that kind of worked that out. Um, and also at 450 k's of range, so again, similar to, to the um, iX. The minus side, it was pretty firm on the ride and I couldn't match your 22s, Mal. This is only riding on 19s, but still... Mm. I think it's an electric car thing at times. It's got a free amount. Well, they're very, they're, yeah, they're so heavy. They obviously, yeah. They, they, I, I drove the same car, James, and I've, I found it quite short in travel, like over suspension yeah. humps. You, you're kissing the the, uh, the bump stops. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it, I wasn't I launching that, over them. Those kind of high-frequency little shuddery bumps that you get, oh, it, it wasn't good um, over those. But in some I reckon up, that's a Volvo issue. Okay, not mm. just this car. Well, I 90s on airbag suspension, might I add. So it's it's a bit better and handles the 22-inch wheels well. Yeah. But uh, not so your XC40. Well, I enjoyed driving it. And I'd say, you know, it's an interesting argument um, if someone wanted to take it off. I think it's not bad value, irrespective of the fact that it's an EV. If you if you, if you you take it in, in its market segment, it's actually reasonably good value um, for an EV yeah. in that yeah, kind yeah. of market. So, you know. Which is the same thing it's about the RX. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, while it's Volvo's smallest SUV, it's not particularly small and, and no. quite well packaged. No, and the rear seat's pretty good. You know, uh, mm. in terms of adults being able to sit comfortably, it's it's got that on on its side for sure. It does that. What do you say? It does four four point nine not to hundred? Yeah, yeah. I, I, a, it's this is a funny second th- car. It's really quick. Yeah, it's the funny thing about electric cars is we become obsessed with the notion of them doing not to hundred like super quick. Because <laughs> I think I just drove the 
EV6 where it was doing it in 5.2 or something, you think, oh, that's probably not that quick compared to other electric cars. But it's like, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like yeah. honestly, if you're doing sub five launches. Now, I've had this problem with electric cars when you, when they're, because they're so quick, they're so easy to go quick. I make myself car sick because, because you're look, just like, that, oh my yeah, gosh, that I've got to stop doing off that. into a whole other podta- podcast yes. discussion around are we ready for this kind of acceleration mm-hmm. when people who maybe aren't used to it uh, pin the throttle and, oh, throttle, the accelerator. Uh, and bingo, yeah. they're going way faster than they yep. uh, they would have previously. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I and, don't know. And people don't... mistake the break. Here you go. Yeah, I don't know the I- IXs nor to 100 time, and I don't care. Uh, like right. that—that that to me mm. is the least of its issues. Whether it, whether it does it in three seconds or six seconds, pure Steve Otley. Pure really Steve Otley, laissez-faire yeah. attitude. Yeah. Just or uh, I think one point seven seconds, like the McMurtry at Goodwood. Oh yeah. boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Imagine thing. that. I mean, yeah, was it one fan or two on the back of it? It was just basically. I think it's two fans, the, the but one point seven seconds. Okay. Uh, uh, well, that's <laughs> that's um, that's our garage. We are now going to go to the comment of the week. Okay, so comment of the week. And last week we were talking about Chinese cars that we need. And in the comments, particularly on YouTube, there was lots of back and forth uh, commentary around China's bullying and trade agreements. Um, our B even claimed that we were being paid by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. And I can tell you, our B, we were paid uh, to make that video by Cars Guide, um, not by anybody else. I was going to say, I didn't get an envelope of any. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I'm getting, I feel pretty ripped off. I think they're normally brown paper bags, aren't they? I mean, oh, anyway, no, we, yeah. we, we weren't paid by anyone other than our employers. And I think an interesting comment was Dan White. He said, these cars will do well in Australia as the other brands have par- par- sorry, priced most families out of the new car market. People will forget about the China trade issues, just like people who buy Japanese cars have forgotten about the bombing of Darwin and Sydney. You know? And I think I think interesting uh, case study was, uh, Mal, we were only talking about this yesterday, when uh, the French government was um, conducting nuclear device testing at Mura Atoll in the Pacific. And there were front page stories in Australia about these are the French brands not to buy. Um, and uh, I had it recounted to me that all Peugeot needed to do was add free air conditioning and the sales started to tick back up. Um, so the price of people's moral conscience seemed to be about 1500 bucks. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like. The, the, look, obviously, it's a there is a very large and complex political discussion around particularly Chinese cars. The facts are, and from from a cars it's another guide podcast. point from the cars guide point of view, people buy them. You yep. know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of lot of MGs, lot of yep. Havels, lot of you know uh, LDVs that that we are buying them in a significant volume. MGs are top ten brand. It's a top ten brand now. For like sure. you can't I think it's like, number eight. Can't ignore it, and and because because yeah. consumers are not ignoring it, you know. They, like yeah. you say, we vote with you. People vote with their wallet, right? It's true. And it's true. It's true. All right. Cars, cars are the cars. There you go. And look, with that, we've reached the finish line. So it's time to say thank you, Steve. Thank you, James. And thank you, Mel. Bloody beaut. Thanks, James. And and thanks most of all to our listeners and viewers, and thanks to our production multitasker, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Thank you, Brett. 
And again, as a tip of the hat to Mr. Pritchard, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, I would lose weight, but I don't like losing. Um, jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. Remember, next week's show will be Friday, the live stream, July 8th, but 4 p.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, two hours later than we have been previously. Before we go, was in my local Repco, and old mate that usually serves me looked a lot more balanced and stable on his feet than he normally does. So I asked him what was going on, and he said, look, I didn't think orthopedic shoes would work for me, but um, I stand corrected. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that, that was good.